And we are live with another episode of Comic Talk. It's that show brought to you by The Key, where we talk about this week's new releases of comics. Today is Thursday, April 13th. New DC Comics, for those of you who don't know, New DC Comics come out every Tuesdays. So on the 11th, New Marvel and Indie Comics come out on Wednesdays, which was the 12th. And we're here on the 13th to talk about this week's new releases of comics. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. And uh, for those of you who are watching the live stream, it is uh, twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show or even youtube.com slash The Keeg Show. Pick your poison. Uh, or maybe you're listening to the uh, the podcast. And that's wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, yeah, I was going to list them, but trust me, look up the podcast. Uh, if you're watching us live, you can see who our guest is. And he hasn't been on the show for quite a while, but he is back, baby. Back, baby. DC is back. back, baby. What was that from? <laughs> that, that was from something. And I, I was doing that for like six months on the Keeg, like on every Keeg show. I don't remember. And it definitely came true. They are definitely back. No problems have happened in the last six months with DC there entertainment was, at all. I think it might have been for Snyder Cut when Snyder Cut came out. And then people were like, DC's cool. back, baby. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what it was. The hierarchy of power did change. To What's make that? It clear, the hierarchy of power. The hierarchy of power did change. You yeah. all have to acknowledge that the hierarchy of power changed in a major way. Uh, which is funny. And and uh, by the way, everybody, Brian Long, everybody, Captain Comic Rex, oh, hi. Yeah. everybody. Um, <laughs> it reminds me the Rock saying the DC power, the the hierarchy in the DC universe is about to change. Uh, reminds me a lot of the Jedi Council in Star Wars saying that that Anakin will bring balance to the Force. What they, they didn't realize, wrong. they weren't wrong. What they didn't realize, it meant killing all the Jedi. So, you know, balance to the Force. Yeah. Who's to say? You know, um, yeah, it's very Greek trap. The hierarchy of power would change. It just uh, meant he would be shown the door. In the exactly. Process. Um. But oh, uh, uh, hey, I'm glad to have you. you I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, glad to be back. Um, I realized today, like, there's so many crazy things that have happened uh, that we haven't had a chance to discuss. Like, I don't think we've talked about like sins of sinister at all. So I'm excited to talk about all this craziness with you. I uh, this it, was a great week for books. It was. It was, and I read all of them, and I was just ha I was happy about reading all of them, and like. <laughs> Because that's not always the case. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, you, I don't you know. Get so, stuck reading some real stinkers. Well, sometimes yeah. it's an obligation, you know? Especially for this show. Sure, sure. But I make sure to tell everybody <laughs> which ones I'm reading obligatorily. Um, I'm not here to mince words. If they're good, they're good. And if they're not, they're not. And if it's a sludge, it's a sludge. Yeah. But, Brian, it's, I mean, it's been a long time. And yes, although I remember you in my heart of hearts, okay? My brain doesn't remember what you're into comic-wise. Okay. Well, I feel like I have a very omnivorous appetite. Jack Kirby. That's all I know, but he's been dead for years. <laughs> I do love my boy Jack. Yeah, yeah. I do love the king. Um, I definitely find that my pull list is primarily like Marvel with indies maybe coming up in second place and then like DC bringing up the rear. Um, just because uh -huh. DC has lost me in a big way the last couple of years, but I've been slowly getting back into some of the new stuff. Oh no, um, they've gained me. They've they've yeah no. Brought I mean, me to in. be clear, 
they have gained me too in that for a while there i was picking up like nothing from dc and now i am picking up more than nothing yeah um they're they're making a very smart decision in my mind which is just let mark wade write a bunch of stuff uh which i am all for so so mark wade right now i mean and mark wade has been writing comics for decades but mark wade right now is writing batman superman world's finest but then he also has the new shazam book Mm -hmm. that is going to be coming out and then also, I thought that was it. I thought it was going to be World's Finest and Shazam. That's enough for most <laughs> writers. Most writers write one, one book. Yeah. No, they've yeah. doubled that. They doubled it, and then they doubled again, right? He was at one title. They doubled <laughs> it. He was at two titles. And then they doubled the two. Now he has four, which is World, which is, I'm assuming he's sticking with Batman Superman World's Finest, because it's been mm-hmm. a highlight of my life. Um, okay. As a comic book fan, a highlight. So Batman Superman World's Finest, Shazam, Team Titans World's Finest, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting thing that World's Finest now is kind of almost going to be a brand in and of itself. Yeah. A little label, yes. so to speak. A kind and, of like out of, con- well, not out of continuity, but like not in current continuity or like current timeline, but like somewhere in the past. In so current continuity, somewhere yes. in the past, but still factors into the present. That's the biggest yes. part about this mm-hmm. whole thing and then what was the fourth book there was a fourth book what was it uh it was the superman last days of lex luthor that's what it is, is. A great is it a, a mini series or is it an ongoing yes three issue black label book um but it has an awesome premise of lex luthor is dying and superman's trying to find a cure for what ails him yeah uh, and the whole world's like just let him die he sucks <laughs> boo um <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I love Superman, and the best thing about Superman is that he's hopeful and that he's a be- he, you know, he's a beacon, right, for everybody. Absolutely. But I feel like in the real world, in the real world, or like in the, <laughs> if I was in the DC world, this is not the real world, yeah. Brian. This is this yeah. is yeah, the DC world's the real world. Um, <laughs> in that world, I would be upset at Superman for for trying to help Lex Luthor yeah. to live. I love him yeah. in this world because this world needs more Superman. But that world yeah. needs less Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, this world needs less Lex Luthor as well, but we're going to take what we can get, I suppose. Right. Right. But like so so my sensibilities don't necessarily transfer over, but like um a lot has happened in the last couple months last episode that i had you like the real like the last real episode was december 22nd and so it's been wow is that long ago it's been yeah it's been a minute almost five months dang yeah yeah but i mean big changes for you recently right yeah i mean my son turned one at the end of january which is very exciting he's figuring out how to walk now which is crazy and very scary for me Um, but yeah yeah, like those are those are really the major uh, major changes um just my son getting older cats in the cradle you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, for sure um (laughs) and the silver spoon little boy little boy blue and the man on the moon something like that yeah yeah um So uh, that, that's what's okay. I, 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 yeah, I don't think I worded my, my feelings as well as I did earlier when I said like, I know you in my heart, but my brain is like, what does Brian even read anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, well, so let's say real quick. Thing, t- t- oh yeah. Tell me one thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell me one thing. Well, I was going to say one thing, because I feel like every week when I tune into comic talk or just about every week, 
I feel bad because uh, you're the one person who's all caught up on X-Men and everybody's like, oh, I haven't read X-Men. I'm like, Dimitri, I'm reading X-Men and someday we'll be together to talk about X-Men. So this is the moment to finally catch up on X-Men together. Uh, as we start off this episode, I want to know what books you read this week because you read a lot of books. I need to know the issues and the numbers or the, the series oh. and the issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I read uh, Great British Bump Off, number one, TMNT, Usagi Ojimbo, number one, Moon Knight, 22, X-Men, 21, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number three, <clears throat> The Seasons Have Teeth, number one, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, Captain America Cold War, number one, Superman Lost, number two, uh, Barbaric Hell to Pay, number three, Fantastic Four, number six, Stoneheart, number two, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number five, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number three, and Silver Surfer, Ghostlight, number three. I think that was enough. I think I read enough comics this week. Frankly. Yeah, I don't think anyone can say that you don't read comics, you know? <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, let me let me see what I what I read. I read Captain America, Cold War, number one. I read Fantastic Four, number six. I read Guardians of the Galaxy, number one. I read Spider-Man, Miles Morales, number five. I read... Sins of Sinister, Storm of the Brotherhood of Mutants, number three. I didn't get to Superman Lost. I didn't get to it. Uh, I I wish I did. Um, X-Men 21, I read. I read 8 Billion Genies, number eight. I read Monarch, number five. I read Nemesis Reloaded, number four. Predator, number two. That's my list. Nice. Yeah. I mean, but it's not a competition. I I feel like we both read this. (laughs) I I feel like we both read the same amount, but then half our things crossed over and half of them didn't, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the way, uh, I got this new, I got this new, I got this new shirt. Oh, that's sick. It says, it says mutant beach party, but really it only, (laughs) it only has, it only has Psylocke in the corner and she's not in a, She's not in like it's not like the Marvel uh swimsuit edition that they did. It's not like that. It's really just Psylocke right. and Sentinel Head. So I don't know why it's called Mutant Beach Party, but all right. I mean, she's kind of always in swimwear, I feel in a, in a way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um my you're you're asking me my pick of the week? Yeah, what was your uh, the tables have turned, Dimitri? What was okay. your pick of the week? Um Oh, this is, I mean, it's, I'm going to have to pick, I'm going to have to pick, and this is, I did meet, I did, I, I must declare, I did meet uh, Ryan Soul, uh, uh, Charles, no, Charles Soul and Ryan Brown, Ryan Brown and Charles Soul, right? Yes. Charlie Brown and <laughs> and the Duke of Soul. Uh, no, I, I, I met the writer and the illustrator of 8 Billion Genies at C2E2. And uh, they were cool. I may have made, you know, uh, a joke about 8 billion weenies, you know, but like, I didn't get that on tape. I didn't get it on tape. So I don't, you know, but. um, (laughs) I was just taking your word for it. (laughs) uh, I've been a vocal proponent of this, of this series since it came out. I was there, you know, like talking about it right when it came out and um, it's been great. And I think that uh, my pick of the week is 8 billion genies uh number eight nice and now i didn't realize this was the final issue when we were talking about it earlier yeah it's an it's it's eight issues because it's eight billion genies everything is the eight that number eight pops up a lot okay 
So the first the first book is eight the first eight minutes of the genies. Mm-hmm. The second book is the first eight hours of the genies. Then it's eight okay. days. Then it's eight weeks. Then it's eight months. Then it's eight years. <laughs> so what are we at? Days? No, we were at minutes, hours, days, weeks, years. That's five. So eight years. 80 years. No, eight years. What am I missing? Months? Here? You never said months? Oh, I forgot months. But yes. And then it's 80 years and then it's 800 <laughs> yes, yeah, years. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So the final Dang. issue, the final issue is 800 years after the initial genie incident. Crazy. And do you feel like it stuck the landing? I think it for someone like me, I think it sucked the landing. I think if you were okay. looking, if you were looking for a negative outcome, if you were look like, okay, like yes, people die in this book, but like overall, <laughs> it is a hopeful book, right? Sure, sure. So I feel like if you were looking for a downer of an ending, spoiler alert, it's not a downer of an ending, but it's not a perfectly happy ending but it is a hopeful one. It's very nice. The way they wrap it up is very nice. And I think that that was a perfect way to end it. I think it would be too saccharine to be like, well, then they rewound time and then you sure. know nothing ever happened in the first place. I guess, spoiler alert, they don't do that. But what they do, <laughs> what they do I think is very interesting. And I don't want to, I know you said that I could spoil it for you because you haven't read it, but sure. I've had like such a great joy reading this book that... Um, I would hope that you don't get spoiled until you get to experience it. I need to sit down and read it, especially because it's easily available on a uh, hoopla, which is, I don't, I'm not being paid by hoopla, but I would love to be. I'm very willing to sell out. Um, is hoopla, is hoopla, hoopla a actual company or is it a public institute? Is it, it's like an NPR sort of in thing? In a way it's a, it's technically a public institution um, because it is a app that is connected to the public library system. Yeah. And on it, you can listen to like audiobooks and you can read digital books. And they have a really good comic selection um, where some companies are literally putting out like single issues after they come out onto Hoopla. So you don't even have to wait for the trade. You know, with a lot of stuff, you might be like waiting for like the entire collection to come out. But 8 Billion Genies has been popping up, I think, like a week or two after it comes out. To read the digital issue. Yeah, to read digitally. Um, okay. So if your library uses Hoopla, you can just hop on there and read all the issues of 8 Billion Genies and you're good to go. Okay. All right. Um, we need to figure out how to get in touch with Hoopla. You know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great I, I resource it. for it's a great resource for comics. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's been terrific. I, love it. I, uh, I, I used to read comics from the library. That's how I got into comic mm-hmm. books. And Same. the library has a special place in, in my heart, you know, um, especially as a comic book reader. And I do recommend that to like anyone, anyone, just go yep. to your library, check out a bunch of, I used to check out like a whole stack of comics at this, at like at once, but then you pay, you, you pay a fee if they're late. So then that's a problem too. <laughs> you gotta be careful. Well, uh, now in our, our modern time, a lot of libraries have even abolished uh, those late fees, which oh. is pretty crazy. And yeah. then you could just keep the books forever. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's How an honor that? system thing. 
No, there's no way. There has to be some way to stop people from my, just keeping the books. My library system does in Jersey City. I know the New York Public Library System started doing it a couple of years ago. People don't steal books for just create a whole I mean, library? Like, people probably take books and forget to return them or just steal them, but it's an honor system. No, that's too much. That's too much. I don't, because I would steal, <laughs> like, I'm not above that. Like, would I take a book? I would, I'd be like, okay, I mean, I like this book enough. I don't want to give it back. Let me just keep it. You're a library cop is what you're saying. No, I'm just saying that they're, I don't like the fees. <laughs> I don't like the fees, but maybe it's a, instead of a fee system, it's you just can't use your library card until you return the books. So then they just wow. shut down your card, but then you have to bring back the books. Oh, wow. I, I think they're trying to abolish the uh, punitive system. But you it's know not what I'm that saying? punitive. It just says you can't check out new books. You can come into the library and you can read for free. Yeah. But you just can't check know, it out until you return. It's like old Netflix. <laughs> you remember the old Netflix DVDs? You got to return sure, the yeah, DVD to get a DVD? DVD. That's what I would think, except yeah, no yeah. charge. <laughs> well, that's fair. Right. Can I, so can I uh, make a comment about 8 Billion Genies? Yes. And then it, I got, and then we got to move on. But yes. There's <laughs> but a it's lot. interesting that they, the structure of this book is interesting to me because I feel like that's becoming, and I think we can use this transition into another book. Yeah. But it, it's interesting how this is becoming almost a trend in comic book storytelling of using these massive time jumps while telling your story. Because I think of like Ox Pox did it, Sins of Sinister is currently doing it. And now 8 Billion Genies is doing it. I think that's kind of the advantage of the comic book medium is you can make these yeah. giant time leaps and tell this like overarching story where the reader has to fill in the blanks between issues um, because you don't have to worry about actors aging out of the role or, or any things like that. You can create a world that is radically different from what you've already established. Uh, so I would say, yes, I would say like, I agree with you that like, this is the medium to be able to do that. I mean, you could do that with yeah. cartoons and stuff too, but but really, Sins of Sinister is doing it because X-Men is doing it. Like, because sure. Hotspots did it, right? Right, right. So it's not like they're both independent of each other. Sins of Sinister is only doing it because <laughs> Hotspots did it. Well, I was I was surprised that that ended up being the direction that Sins of Sinister took when I started reading it. Yeah. Um, but I, I like I, it. I, I didn't really... I love it. I think it's yeah. awesome. Uh, I originally, uh, I don't know, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, but like, I originally, I didn't care for since Sinister. I didn't think it needed to exist. Uh, why do I need mm -hmm. to care about an alternate timeline? But I think that this alternate timeline will be reset, but with repercussions for the main timeline. I think it's so, I agree. I'm very interested to see how that works out, but yeah. you know. I also just love that the central premise is that Sinister finally gets what he wanted without realizing that a world that's just Mr. Sinister's would be endless backstabbing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, right. a, it's a beautiful little twist of characterization to make that the outcome of this. It's like, yeah, you got what you wanted and it's your own personal nightmare. Which is interesting because here's the thing. When it gets reset, will Sinister have learned his lesson? Will he be a different Sinister? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of the big question I think that's still hanging over this is this will this actually change him as a person? Because it seemed like in I guess it was I'm trying to remember what the last one was before this. I guess it would have been Immoral X-Men number three. It seems yeah. like he might have actually changed 
And then you read this one, you're like, this guy's still such a piece no. of shit. <laughs> a moral a moral X Men number three ends with uh, uh, the Chimera, whatever her name is, Rasputin, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, tell me though, uh, before we even get into that, what, what's your what's your pick of the week? Oh, sure. So I I would probably have two picks of the week this week. I think okay. Storm of the Brotherhood is maybe my like second place pick. I really yeah, enjoyed it a lot. I really enjoyed um, it too. Yeah. But I think I think I have two number ones, um, which was the first one is uh, the Great British Bump Off number one. Okay. Which just the quick like elevator pitch of it is. Yeah, tell me. About it's it. an Agatha. Yeah, it's an Agatha Christie style murder mystery, but in the Great British Bake Off reality competition show. Okay. So, if you've ever seen the great british bake-off it's essentially like a group of like 12-ish people um and uh, each week they get different you know challenges a baker, a baker's, bake. that's not a baker's dozen a baker's dozen would be 13 no, 13 would be a baker's dozen yeah. the killer um, is the 13 but okay keep going yeah exactly uh and right at the start of the competition a guy who uh makes a very unfavorable impression on the entire uh uh crew of contestants ends up being murdered um and one of the contestants kind of takes it upon herself to try to solve the crime as the producers just act like nothing happened because they don't want anything to ruin the reputation of the show um so if you're a fan of like knives out if you're a fan of agatha christie i think this would be a really fun read uh it's by the team that did the comic book giant days the writer and author team uh so the cartooning work in it is really fun uh very expressive very funny character work being done in it um yeah it's just like a hoot and i'm very excited to see how the mystery is going to unfold in the future issues to come it's really that good that it's your number one yeah, I think that would be my number one. I just like, I also am a big fan of those kinds of murder mystery stories. So I feel like that's something that hasn't been explored much in the comic book space. I feel like most mystery stories are like hard boiled crime comics, like your Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillip kind of books. Yeah. And I don't feel like this type of murder mystery has ever really been done in a comic book format before. Okay. So there's a little bit of a novelty to it that I'm really enjoying. Um, but I think my other number one pick of the week would probably be Guardians of the Galaxy number one. Uh, I okay, think it sets up a really interesting new status quo. For let's the talk book. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, the, it was quite possibly the last time we were together. Um, but on this show, I had the reputation of being the person who was excited for Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie, when it was first announced. I'm ride or die for the Guardians. I love these characters. Oh, the original and one? this sets... Yes, so one yes, that I believe nobody, you were like, nobody knew or cared about or anything except for me, Dimitri. But who are I you looking forward to? Tell tell me tell me this in the like which team did you think you thought it was going to be like a Yondu Star wait Starhawk? No, no, no. Did you did you never read the like Dan? Uh, no, Dan I did. Yeah, run? But, but well, no, yeah. uh, that's around Annihilation, right? Is that around? Yes. Okay, yes, it came right out of Annihilation. I I may have picked up a couple of issues but like i'm not saying it's bad but i just it's good as hell <laughs> but like guardians it itself was a property that i was like uh you're talking like that like from the year 3000 bullshit like <laughs> no i was all in on those and i had a feeling they would be the ones that got introduced because that book had become fairly popular in like nerd circles oh so okay. um, and i remember yeah. I have a very distinct memory of seeing the concept art for the first time and seeing Rocket and Groot and being like, people are going to know who Rocket and Groot are. This is, this is madness. Right. Um, well, but, so I've been ride or die for those characters. After it was time. announced, but before it came out, I believe, they introduced Guardians of the Galaxy on um, Avengers. 
the Earth's Mightiest Heroes yes. cartoon. Yes. And that's when Rocket, was Rocket had a much, British voice. He sounds like Jason Statham. Yeah. Uh, in those. But that yeah. that team in the show is very much that 2005-ish comic, the Abdomen Lanning version. Yeah. Um, there were more I, space I cops like that, at that point, though, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that the the Guardians franchise is like a comic has kind of like struggled to find its voice a little bit because I think a lot of people were trying to emulate the James Gunn movie for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, I think the Al Ewing run was a good sort of balance between the two. Uh, and I, I like what this run is doing where they're setting up like an entirely radically different status quo where we're kind of dropped into this sort of uh, Sergio Leone Western kind of vibe for the team. Um, yeah. There's this mystery as to like what exactly has happened to them. They're sort of like on the run from this strange entity that I don't want to spoil because it's kind of a cool twist. Um, but I, I mean, we, we have to spoil. Things. I mean, this whole show is about spoiling, unless it's <laughs> spoiling right. amongst so us. So apparently, Groot has turned into some kind of planet-wide virus. It yes, seems, Groot and is infecting. Group fall, they call it, yeah. Um, that is infecting planet after planet, and they're just kind of doing their best to scramble and rescue whoever they can before a group fall takes a planet. Um, yeah, and I really liked it. I thought this was great. It's weird. It's it's very Galactus, right? Because they do mention that mm -hmm. Galactus had taken these guys' planet before, and group comes. Right. And wouldn't that suck in the Marvel Universe? And it happens in real life, too, when <laughs> someone survives a disaster and then gets killed by another disaster. Yeah. That sucks. Um, so the people, this, this whole community survived Galactus eating their planet. And then right. they get, some of them die via group fall, right? Right. Right. And so we're yeah, dealing with the team in this being, and correct me if I'm wrong about one thing after I said it, but basically it's, it's, yeah. it's Star-Lord, it's Gamora, it's Nebula, it's Mantis and it's Drax, which is a good team. Mm -hmm. Everybody, yeah. the, everybody, the viewers know from the from the movies, but like, of course, have we seen Nebula recently? Nebula hasn't been so, on the Guardians team ever, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, um, she's a new addition I'm in the comics. Remember, I'm trying to remember if she was ever in the um, the Donny Cates run. I don't think she was, but that had a lot of cosmic characters in it, so she might have popped up at some point, but. The movie when they did a huge Guardians in. team is that the Donny Cates run? Yeah, when it he was had a huge Guardians team. Prince of Power is that like that was that was Al Ewing's run? Oh, okay, but he had like Beta Ray Bill was there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Surfer Silver was there Surfer. for a minute. Yeah. yeah, but I remember there was a Vita Ayala Nebula miniseries that kind of got like cut short and canceled. Mm. Uh, didn't even get to like properly finish, and in that they were sort of building up the nebula redemption arc she's always kind of had a weird space in the marvel universe where yeah. she's been like kind of towing that line between hero and villain and it feels like they're really saying all right let's let's put her properly on the side of the angels at least somewhat <laughs> in this right. story to flesh her out in in the uh comics canon which i think is great yeah, yeah. i uh i mean i'm cool with her being on this thing it just seems very much that they're trying to keep it in line with the movies which is fine but some of my favorite guardians characters are not movie guardians characters nova sure nova There's being a, one of them a lot of characters you know yeah yeah um, um which is why i think that al ewing run i thought hit a really good sweet spot of being like 
the classic Guardians comics with like with acknowledging Philavelle and Moon Dragon. Mm-hmm. Moon yeah. Dragon was there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see where this goes because even though you know your comment about like you know wanting to reference the movie, of course, but I appreciate the fact that even though it is like recognizable movie Guardians characters, it's a radically different status quo. They're putting them in a story that's so drastically different than anything that the movies are doing. Yeah. That I would rather them say like, all right, we'll put the characters that the moviegoers are recognize in there, but we're going to do a story that's totally different. I think that's a good direction to take things because then you don't feel like you're giving everybody this thing that they've already seen in a million dollar blockbuster. You know what I mean? How do you feel about issue ones being starting off in media res? and then going back to fill in the gaps. Is it overdone? <laughs> Is it overdone? Because every book, Fantastic um, Four number one, Spider-Man, yeah. uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, like all these number ones are starting off with, oh, it's a new status quo and we won't tell you how until later. Yeah. I think, so two things, I have two thoughts on that. Um, one, it's actually funny you said that because I was thinking about this exact same thing before I came on today. Um, and I think the part of the reason that's being done is in part because of Hoxpox. I think they saw how well Hoxpox works being putting the reader into more or less an in-media res. Because if you think about it, we really don't see much of Krakoa being put together. We get little snippets of it. It's not as much of a mystery as the ones you're using as an example, but it's very much like, no, we're putting you in the deep end of this. Like where probably issue 10 would normally be kicking you off in a story arc potentially, we're starting that with issue one. Um, And I think they've seen the success of doing that with, you know, uh, a first issue or an early on issue to get people hooked. I don't have a problem with it. I think the question is simply, how long is it going to take for you to explain to me what the mystery is? And is the mystery satisfying? I think those are the two things. Are you reading Amazing Spider-Man? Because they only just got to it. Yes. Versus, say, Fantastic Four, where I feel like they explained it, what, like two months ago? It was like was issue, issue three like or something. That they yeah, explained it? something like that, yeah. Yeah, they explained it very early on. So it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, where like four. Now, if the Amazing Spider-Man story ends up paying off in a way where I'm like, like worth the 25-issue wait, then I'm not going to care as much. Yeah. But I think it is that double-edged sword of, if you're going to wait that long, it's got to be really satisfying. Or just tell us (laughs) like don't stress that much about it but i think it's a smart thing for an issue one because it puts everybody on the same playing field it puts experienced readers in a position where they're like i know all this continuity because i've read guardians for 10 plus years and then a new reader's like i'm picking this up for the first time you're more or less on a level playing field and a new reader doesn't feel like oh i need to know 10 years of continuity because even the person who knows 10 years continuity is like i don't know what's happening either we're learning together so I'm going to use your your uh, I'm going to use an example, a metaphor before we move on. And that is, <laughs> I feel like if you were to come to me and say, hey, look, Dimitri, I can give you just a not a good cake right now, but I, you can have it right now. You can have a not a good cake right now or you can wait. And it's going to take me it might it might take me a long time because good things take time. Right. And And uh-huh. I'm like, OK, OK, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to get, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to crave that cake. And when you're ready, when you're done baking it and it's perfect and nice and moist and whatever you hand it to me and I can enjoy it. Then I would be like, yeah, it was worth the wait. Right. But if you take that same cake and instead think to yourself, I'm just going to make him wait a little bit longer. He won't know. 
This cake could have been given to him yesterday, but I'm going to wait three more days and give it to him then. It's still going to taste great, but I'm going to put a little more buffer time just for the sake of it. I would feel like you're a dick. So I... So regardless of whether... And that's your review of Zeb Wells' Amazing Spider-Man. If it sticks the landing, if it makes sense, the the payoff for what happened in the beginning now... He still took this long to do it when he could have had that same one, (laughs) but earlier. Sure. Unless every single issue leading up to it needed to happen to get us to this point, which it didn't. There's no way. Some of those are filler shit. Like (laughs) then, yeah. You get what I mean? No, that's fair. That's a fair critique. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian, I I I'd rather just have the shitty cake right now and then just move on. And it's okay. It's cake. You know, it's only going to sure, be so sure. bad. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you you have the strong... I think it all comes back though to the new reader problem, right? Where it's like, you want to have a first issue that is um, going to hook new readers and not require them to know a ton of stuff, but right. also excite and intrigue older readers, right? And I think that's an easy way to do it. Now, again, is it always successful? No, sometimes you end up with a cake that took you 25 issues to get to, and maybe that cake's not very good. Um, or maybe the cake is just as good, but you could have had it at issue 15. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that on paper, but we'll see. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, uh, let's talk about another one that we we both read. All right. Uh, oh, Sins Do you want to get uh, to some of the X books? The Sins of Sinister Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number three. Hell so yeah. uh, this has been nice because... So Sins of Sinister, these books, there's only three titles that were changed. Legion of X became Nightcrawlers. X-Men Red became Storm of the Brotherhood of Mutants. And Immortal X-Men became Immoral X-Men. And <laughs> it's just those three titles with three issues each. So over three months, we get kind of like a, a little story, a little event that's about 11 issues total, right? Sins of Sinister yeah. to begin with, Sins of Sinister to end with, and those nine issues in between. And each month, it bumps forward a power of 10, which has to be a Hoxpox reference, right? The first issue of each of those three are 10 years down the line, then 100 years and 1,000 years, right? And so this is the second to last or second even of of this final 1,000 years, right? We had Mm -hmm. Immoral X-Men number three, then we had uh, Storm of the Brotherhood of Mutants number three, and then next month or next week probably – Nightcrawlers number three, and then we get Sins of Sinister Dominion, which will end it. All the other X Men yes. titles have been going on; like they've been continuing. Yeah, they haven't taken a break. But just those three titles have. And so, what happens next? I don't know. I didn't ask for this event, Brian. But <laughs> weird, weirdly enough, I didn't ask. I didn't ask for it. I didn't care. I was like, I don't know where they're going. And it's one of those things, like. We've been reading comics for a long time now. Should I have more trust? Yes and no. In this, <laughs> well, I, think in this trust... I should have had more trust. In Axe Judgment Day, I should have had more trust. But in <laughs> Dark Web, I was good with the <laughs> lack of trust that I had because it was not good. Well, I think the difference there is you have two of the best writers at Marvel, Karen Gillan and Al Ewing, as like two of the primary architects of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, tell me. I, I'm sorry, you can't go wrong. T- tell me, Brian, 
because I just I want to hear it from from the mouth of babes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why are the best writers writing X Men? Uh, why are those two the best writers that are writing X Men currently? Why, why, like generally speaking, like the some of the best writing that I see yes. is on X Men. Is it just me as an X Men fan? Is it in general? Are they purposely putting good writers onto X Men titles, knowing that X Men titles yeah. do sell? Yeah. Well, it's this weird thing where those two, Kieran, those two specifically being Al Ewing and Al Ewing and Kieran Gillen, um, they've been writing other stuff for Marvel. Like yeah. Kieran Gillen wrote an incredible Eternal series. I don't think anybody wrote read that series, and they're missing out because it's like one of the best Marvel books of the past like five to ten years. I think that series is incredible. Um, similar with Al Ewing, he does books like. X-Men Red, which is very high profile, but then he'll also do like Defenders and Defenders Beyond, which are also incredible and these really interesting like metatextual analysis of the nature of superhero stories. But again, nobody's picking those books up and that's their loss. You know what I mean? I couldn't so get like, through Defenders Beyond. I couldn't get through it. Oh, it's good. That's real good. You should get uh, Eternals there. I did read and liked, uh, which is weird because I don't really like the Eternals at all. I did read it, yeah. and then I think I didn't like I didn't finish it, and then Axe Judgment Day happened, and I just continue with Axe Judgment Day. So, I mean, that's pretty much the ending of it is Axe Judgment Day, right. really. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's this weird thing where like they're doing bangers, in my opinion, outside of the X books, but people just aren't talking about those as much because they're not the the high profile brand. You know so what it's I mean? two things. Is that what we're saying? Um, that they, that, so yeah. I, well, I'd say I would say it's not just that they're great at writing X Men books. I think it's that they're good writers in general. Um, but I also think because they're good writers in general, they write real good X Men books. You know what I mean? But they get put onto X Men because they do good jobs in these non X Men books because people who exactly. are writing for X Men aren't new writers, right? Like you have to right. prove yourself exactly. and then they move you to X-Men, right? Exactly. Exactly. I can't imagine. Um, I that's a dream. Like I wouldn't have I wouldn't like can you imagine <laughs> writing for Marvel and then being asked, being essentially said, you're good enough, write X-Men. I think I would take the route that Chip Zdarsky did, where I'd be like, no, these people are too intense. <laughs> the fans of this stuff, stuff are crazy. Is I it really? Is that what he, he said? He was offered Spider-Man. And okay. go, or I don't know if he was offered it, but people whenever people would be like, Are you gonna write like Amazing Spider-Man? He was like, No, y'all are crazy. I will not put myself through that. The fact that he was like, I will write Batman and deal with Batman fans before I write Spider-Man says yeah. a lot, I think, about how people treat these characters on the internet. You know what's funny? Daredevil fans and Batman fans are complete opposites. Daredevil fans are pretty chill, right? They're just like, hey man, <laughs> yeah. Matt Murdock gets beaten up. Like, I get it, man. <laughs> like, he doesn't, he can't win all the time. And then the the Batman side is like, how dare he be beat up once? Like, <laughs> who are you, man? Who are you to write well, Batman the, getting beaten up even once? Yeah, I think the weird argument you see in the Daredevil fan circles is uh, people who think that every Daredevil thing needs to be the darkest thing that's ever been produced. Which is ironically, I think, the same problem that a lot of Batman fans have. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've been loving this, and I especially love, you know, I've been going back and reading through the Chris Claremont run of X Men for the first time. I've started that project like early last year, and I'm still chopping away at it. Yeah. But a thing that I find really striking 
is just how much like Storm is the leader of the team. You know what I mean? Like I always yeah. knew she was a beloved character, but you really see the amount of work and respect that Claremont put into that character. And I feel like Al Ewing is very much inheriting that uh, uh, stewardship of the character that he's like, this is a character that is beloved by people. And I really want to build up why she is the A tier X-Men character that she is. Yeah. Um, and you really see it in, in this book in X-Men Red. It's been awesome. I, how do I put this? Uh, I don't want to say that I pray at the altar of Chris Claremont because nowadays, his, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of his stuff nowadays because I feel like it's hard for him to jump back in because he used to be, he used to not have to jump into continuity. He was continuity for X-Men, right? For right, all, right. close to 20 years. And so he knew exactly where each chess piece was. And he was just, he was having <laughs> fun with it. He was dancing. He was doing all these things. And then, then you try to like, you they took him out, right? At X-Men, after X-Men number mm. one. Uh, was it X-Men number one that he, that he. It was around that time. It wasn't long after that. When it, it was like happened. one or two. It was after, it was, I think it's like two, like issue two was his final issue. Yeah. In the nineties. Cause, uh, and then they brought on. John Byrne? No, who? Yeah, I think John Byrne wrote it with Jim, Jim Lee, Lee for like a hot minute, and yeah. then somebody else came. Maybe it was Fabian Nicienza, I don't remember. But, but like, I get partially the editorial decision to kind of like refresh a little bit because he was mm -hmm. continuity. You were putting all your investment into this one guy's brain, and it, that was it. He was the only one with the keys to the vault, and so you know, they needed yeah. to, to, to kind of spread it. Anyway, the, but Chris Claremont did like an amazing thing. Anything that we think about X-Men is from Claremont. Like, it's just, you mm -hmm. know, 95% of like X-Men stuff is Claremont stuff. It's, oh, not, yeah, Stan, it's not Stan Lee. People credit him with starting no. it, but I mean, <laughs> you know, he's your, he's your father, but Chris Claremont's your daddy, you know? <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, Sins of Sinister, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where it goes, and I want Dominion to wrap things up well and give us a resolution to this event that I never asked for. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I thought it was really fun. Um, yeah, and I, I thought it was a cool way to do an event as well, where, like, you don't feel like you have to buy extra titles because they put the actual titles on hold for a little bit, yeah. and keeping it to the very simple schedule of, like, these three, these three, these three then you're good. You you got everything you need. Um, it was a manageable crossover that I thought was, was very well done. So this is a, the first time this unique format of a crossover event, right? Like, like this, yeah, it's a only... very unique one. I don't think anything else has done something like this. The only thing that I think would be slightly comparable is maybe like the Grant Morrison seven soldiers, but that had like more stuff that you, would have to pick up and read it wasn't like three simple mini series it was seven mini series of yeah. four issues each with like a start and an end book um so this is kind of like that but condensed a little bit and i think it's a yeah. little bit more manageable because but then it also put three titles on hold switched the naming yes. conventions of the title for three issues and then hopefully i guess the titles will come back at some point but like yeah, they're they're coming back in June, I think. Okay. They're coming back very shortly after all over. Okay. Um, what else? Uh let's talk about um, I mean, there's a lot that we both read. Um, so we'll talk yeah, about the stuff you, that we, we both read. 
and then we can uh, uh, we can go over the things that we individually read. We don't have too much time. I do want to do want to get through everything. Uh, how are you liking Fantastic Four? This new Fantastic Four run. I'm really liking it. You know, speaking of like wild uh, uh, status quo shifts, this was the issue where I really thought about. It was like. The FF are just kind of bumming around the country. Yeah. <laughs> They're just going from place to place solving problems. And I kind of love that being the mission statement for the team. Um, I think Ryan North in the uh, the first issue, he talked about it being very inspired by like classic Star Trek and wanting each issue to feel like they go to a place, they solve a problem. A um, science fiction kind of really episodic adventure yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is a lost art in our modern day and age. You rarely get the one and done issues. Um, and I think he's been doing a, a great job at it. Like, it's a perfect book to give to someone who's like, I want to know about the FF and I've never read any Fantastic Four. It's such a, like, breezy way to just pick up and and get who these characters are, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, they're always messing around. Because in issue four, <laughs> in issue four, we find out that they put the earth on the other side they put a no they they put how long do they put they take the building or the block of city and yes. they shunt yes. it forward in time it's a year it only feel like seconds for the people in there yeah but it's going to be a year's worth of time it's for a year else. because the earth has to come back around Right, exactly, exactly. They got to drop it at the same location. Which is also weird because even though the Earth goes like this around the sun, it is going around the... the it's also, yes, yes. <laughs> so whatever. I guess he accounted for everything except for looping just that one solar system. But okay, that's fine. You had to act, you had to act fast. Yeah. But the, this is a crazy thing about it, like this issue and that issue which I'm one uh, feels like the end of issue six is like leading into this idea, uh, but like they're making some pretty, pretty severe unilateral decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, these are the right decisions for the moment, but they're still like big choices, whether it's, they, first of all, Sue Storm makes the sun's rays invisible over Kansas for three days straight, which is a wild sentence uh, to consider. But like that act and and moving the chunk of New York City forward in time a year to stop the negative zone invasion, like these are big choices that Reed's making. And I'm wondering, based on the end of this issue, how those strong unilateral decisions are going to come back to to bite them. It's interesting. Who do you? Okay, so like in any situation, I back the X Men 100. percent Like, <laughs> like. Like there's there's no way you're gonna tell me that like the Avengers have the right to step up to mutant kind, right? Like uh-huh, you know, but fan- if the Avengers step in to stop the Fantastic Four, if they, you know, are saying like they're too powerful, right. first thing, damn hypocrites, because the Avengers <laughs> Avengers will do things like none other. And Reed Richards does his own <laughs> things too, but like who do you back? Who do you back if the Avengers say, hey, Fantastic Four, you got to consult with us before you do these big things? It's a tough question to answer because they they kind of make a joke about this in the issue um, where Mr. Fantastic is like so certain that he's right. But the problem is he kind of he kind of usually is right. Is the thing like I trust him to make a decision more than 
most other people. And there's the funny bit where like the town is like turning on them and there's like a riot about to start. Yeah. And then the sun comes back and they're like, all right, well, don't do it again. <laughs> I'll just leave and walk away. And they're like, oh, thank God, that was a close one. Um, but it's like at the end of the day, like, yeah, this decision is like a tough one. And, and these are hard things that you'd have to live through. But on the flip side of that, Reed Richards does kind of know what he's doing. You know what I mean? I would trust him with these sorts of things more than I would just Tony? about anybody else, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, it's it's uh yeah, maybe I think if it's if it's who do I trust more, Reed or Tony? I guess Reed. Oh, Reed every day. Of the week. I guess I guess Reed, <laughs> but also let's let's bring the X-Men in. How about this? The Fantastic Four <laughs> reports to the X-Men. Because, you know, they're obviously just the better, uh, you know, dare I say superior <laughs> uh, team? I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another another uh, thing that we both read that has to do with like, like, uh, well, I don't know. It's comic books. Captain America Cold War. We're, we're dealing with, <laughs> with geopolitics, uh, but like behind the scenes, conspiracies, that sort of thing um the, uh-huh. the six, monsters from dimension z monsters from dimension z which was out of left field i didn't think that's what they were going yeah, with that was crazy. it reeks of dark web to me because dark web <laughs> could have been just a clone revenge story but then it had to also do with like demons from hell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so cold war seems to be mean. fair one of those clones is the queen of hell yeah right <laughs> but like Ben Riley becoming like king of hell or whatever ended up happening. I don't know. It was fucking weird. Um Captain America Cold War. I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking this kind of little crossover event. I'm a big fan of multi-prong multi-series. Um how, how do I put this? I'm a big fan of taking like one idea and creating multiple series that go on concurrently. For example, in this mm, case, sure, sure. Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers and having them, yeah. you know, uh, you know, do their thing. And then they kind of meet up and do a little crossover. I agree. One comes into one title and comes out in the other, you know, I'm a big fan of that. Um, X-Men obviously does it all the time. I'm, I'm, I, I like the idea of like corners of the Marvel universe that kind of yeah. weave in and out. Right. Um, and so and I, I was surprised at how much this book was bringing the two threads together. Like I was not expecting White Wolf to be a part of this and have such a prominent role. Yeah. Uh, so I was like pleasantly surprised to see like, oh, wow. Yeah, we are really like bringing both of the threads of these books together and having them pay off in an interesting way. I thought he wanted the throne of Wakanda. And I was like, the audacity. That's, what I thought too. That's the definitely odd, what they wanted you to think. The audacity of this guy. Your name is Hunter, which sounds cool if you're an actual hunter, but no, you're a white guy named Hunter. No offense to my one one white friend named Hunter that I do know in real life. He's not listening to this, but um, I like him. Apologies anyway. You know, but uh, yeah, they've done a great job of building him up to be a great, like real piece of shit villain, the White Wolf. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm looking up like a little bit more about White Wolf and like when he turned bad, but like. Oh, he's always kind of been bad. I mean, that when he was first showing up in the Christopher Priest run, he was like, it, the big re- part of that run was like the reveal that he was sort of 
doing his own machinations behind the scene behind T'Challa's back. Um, uh, but now he's just like full on a supervillain. Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of love. Because <laughs> that's a character that I think has a lot of interesting potential, but they never really never really did much with him after that Christopher Priest run. And I think they brought him back in a cool way. I mean, it's it is kind of weird. It, it's Shakespearean almost, but it is kind of funny. Oh, like 100%. adopted br- brother, white guy from Wakanda. Like, <laughs> you know, okay, that's fine. You know, I love it. Um, but I, I'm interested <laughs> to see where this goes. I am glad to see Ian back, and I hope that. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of families, so I am. I want Captain America to have a full time son. Yeah, well, this, I think, comments, builds on your comment of, like, having a corner of the universe. I think that they've really done a great job of rebuilding Captain America's supporting cast and having all these really interesting characters from throughout his history, whether it's, you know, Ian from not that long ago, but also, like, Destroyer from way back in the the golden age of the comic. Um, Having the, like, Sharon relationship be rebuilt again, I think, has been really great. Uh, There's a lot of really good supporting cast stuff. I also love just like the regular people from his art class that he hangs out with that are, they weren't in this, but they've been in the the mainline Captain America series because I don't think we get enough uh, superheroes hanging out with just regular ordinary people in comics these days. I feel like that's kind of a lost art of the book and uh, having that supporting cast grounds the character in an interesting way. So definitely. I, uh, uh, my approach to comic books is very similar to my approach uh, to what I thought the phase four of the MCU was going to be, or at least what I would have done. And that is, I don't think there should be an ultimate baddie for everything, but there should be a baddie that you're gearing up for different corners of the, Mm -hmm. uh, of of your continuity. For example, uh, you can have multiple in space MCU series like like guardians like captain marvel like what right like and maybe introduce a new thing and they can all gear up for a crossover event for three series of that but then you can have like the super soldier secret spies corner of the mcu do their own thing right or you can have the avengers corner they can go really wherever right then you get the x-men corner then you get the the super science like hulk fantastic four like those kind of like uh, series that can kind of play around with each other. Sure. And so the, like, that's what I would love for the MCU. Um, go, like, I don't, we don't need to build up to the Galactus for 12 years, you know, um, <laughs> we don't need that. But like, uh, uh, so in the comics, it, it is nice to see Cap, uh, both Caps, uh, we got Sam and Steve get their own series. And like, it would be, it would be cool to see, um, Black Widow get a title again and cross over with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. No, um, and again, X Men already does their thing, they're their own corner, you know. (laughs) And then all the spider titles, I want more spider titles, but I want them to be good, so that's kind of tough, sure. Sure, well, I think that the um, I think that they're learning these lessons from how successful Kokawa has been. And you end up with stuff like two Captain America books running concurrently where you have like clear worlds that are being built that can cross over uh, with each other. Because I think, like you said, I think when, when people come to these comics, these shared universes, they like those little pockets. They like the magic pocket. They like. Oh, magic being another pocket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're right. 
Um, so I think, and I feel like you've been getting that. Well, I, I guess maybe not as much, but I like the way that each of these Doctor Strange books lately have been nicely threading into one another where his death had ripple effects on everything magic related, like Strange Academy. I just like this week's um, Blade, uh, or Bloodline Daughter of Blade. I, have, I didn't was I like, read the first issue or the first couple issues. I just haven't read this issue. This issue, I think, has been the best one so far because you oh, get like the father-daughter bonding stuff, uh, which is really fun. But there's a line in it where he's like, oh, Doctor Strange, when you were born, put a spell on you to make sure like no vampire would ever find you oh. and discover you're my daughter. And he's like, and when he died, that spell was broken. Oh, so that's why yeah, like, that's cool. now you've been kind of thrust into this world. So it's like cool that they're finding ways to connect these dots within those little pockets. Um, it's just a matter of building that out even further, you know, making that happen more. I would love to have a fantastical excuse for such a real world problem. Which is like, which is, which is, you know, baby, I'm sorry I cheated on you. But when I was a baby, uh, Dr. Strange put a, put a spell on me that said, I will always be true to the one woman that I love the most. And if this spell is broken, maybe I go insane, you know, who knows? And then, and Dr. Strange died. I'm sorry. And she's this like, feels like, she's a, like how, long, how, how long, yeah, I guess, right? How long have you been cheating on me? <laughs> I don't know, like a couple years now. Yeah, he's only been dead for like six days. So. <laughs> Math's not adding up. Math's not math. <laughs> oh, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. He messed, he, he, when he died, he told me that it was going to go back in time. <laughs> the spell, the spell travels backwards as far as forward in time. It's quantum. It's quantum cheating. It's the whole thing. It's the whole yes. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so real quick, I want to go over literally the dozens of comics that we have with just small blurbs Let's of what we it. thought. You know, tell me about Barbaric Let's Hell to it. Pay, number three. Oh, Barbaric. Barbaric is just such a fun comic. Um, the premise is a Conan the Barbarian esque barbarian uh, was cursed by a witch to only kill people who deserve it. And he has a magic axe that talks and gets drunk on blood. Um, and it's just a hilarious, delightful comic. The main character is currently in hell and he's dealing with that and it's very good. <laughs> right. It's a romp. It's super fun. Highly recommend it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, Miles Morales number five. Uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man right now written by Cody Ziegler is the best spider title uh, in a long time. Uh, yeah, I think I probably agree with you on that. I love this book. It's super great. Yeah, he has um, more Spider-Man than Peter Parker has ever been in the last maybe, <laughs> I don't know how many years. Well, well, and and I want to make a distinction here because I think that this book is like exhibit A in the argument that people make where people are like, Miles is too much like Peter. It's like, no, this book is proof that he is very different from Peter yes. for a lot of reasons. Right. And I know a lot of people who make that argument are just making a straw man argument for shitty racist reasons. Right. Um, but you know, I, it bothers me that people say have so many opinions about Miles, and then I'm like, "Have you read any of his comics?" And I'm like, "No." I'm like, "Okay, read his comics because most of your opinions are proven wrong by these books that have done a lot of work to establish supporting cast, relationships with his family, uh, the character, who he is internally and externally, like all these elements." And I think just in these five issues, Cody Ziegler has not only carried on what Saladin Ahmed did in his long run, um, but already established some new interesting elements that uh, are really great. And the art kicks ass. Uh, the art is amazing. Oh, yeah. So good. Like perfect Spider-Man style art. Ooh. And look at the cover, like the main cover. Holy, yeah. like, 
is so that good. yeah okay uh uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely worth worth uh, picking up on on this one. This issue itself was kind of a not as good of an issue, but like overall, it's a really good, really good series. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a good little conclusion to the arc, and he's gonna fight Carnage. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, there's a Carnage <laughs> event coming up. So okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, let's talk Moon Knight twenty two uh, real quick. Uh, I, I didn't read it, so you you got to give me a quick blurb, and we got to move on. Uh, Moon Knight twenty two, much like the current Fantastic Four book, continues the sort of like one and done story arc trend that's been going on. Mm -hmm. uh, this issue is spotlighting Tigra, who has been like kind of Moon Knight's partner uh, over the course of this run. Um, yeah, it just continues to be a really good book month in and month out. Like if you like Moon Knight, this book does a really good job of feeling kind of like a throwback to the original Moon Knight books where it was like this is just a weird dude who's a superhero uh, and there's a lot more superhero elements to it than there have been I think in previous Moon Knight runs but I think that's part of what makes Moon Knight an interesting character is that he kind of exists in the weird seedy underbelly of superheroism yeah. uh, and this story continues that so great book love it awesome uh, really quick I'll, uh, I, I don't know if you've been reading Monarch but Monarch number three came out this week it's an alien invasion story, but it also has to deal with a, a young black protagonist. Um, there are some twists and turns in issues two and three that make it more than just an alien invasion story. But um, it, it, I think it's definitely worth picking up as long as it sticks to landing. It could be prime for like a streaming service movie or something like that. Like I think that Who's it, the it's the publisher of that. Uh, I can. Um, I can't. <laughs> I can't really. Oh, it's Image. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe an yeah, Amazon Prime cool. movie or something. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's an, a refreshing new take on an alien invasion story. Um, and there's a lot of death. So if you want actual <laughs> stakes, that's, it's pretty good. Uh, Nemesis Reloaded number four. This was actually one of the better issues of this new sequel series, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I it got better. In this one, I can't. I can't complain about number four. Issue number four. There's Mark Millar Nemesis. Yes, yes, it's a sequel, though, okay. right? Uh, and they have a weird. They have a weird subplot in it about figuring out what happened to the lost president of 1981 or something like that. There's a, but it, that's a plot of Gravity Falls. <laughs> like there is a Gravity Falls episode <laughs> that has a president that no one's heard of that was the president and isn't. So I don't know what's going on here, but we'll, we'll see. This issue- the Gravity Falls crossover. With, with, this issue was good. Uh, Predator number two, um, basically this new Predator series is a sequel to the, the one that just happened like a month before that. Like they just decided to renumber from number one. And I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the Fox properties have been getting the Fox, the it's, they're not Fox anymore. They're called it's 20, yes. 20th century studios label on the Marvel comics. So Planet of the Apes, Predator, Alien, I'm sure, yes. you know, other things will get that stamp, you know? Uh, but this one kind of has to do with uh, kind of like the plot of the Predators movie where humans are put onto okay. a reserve and being hunted by Predators. It's like that, except okay. um, a continuation off the previous series. So um, Interesting. those are that. Tell me uh, tell me real quick about uh, some of the other ones that you read. Um, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Usagi Yojimbo number one. Where when? Oh uh, yeah, written and drawn by Stan Dagod Sakai. Um, it's just like good as hell. It's just like Stan Sakai drawing the turtles, drawing Usagi Yojimbo. Like, what more do you want? You're getting like a good ass comic with some cool art in it. Uh, yeah, it's very fun. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles time travel to the past uh, and team up with Usagi Yojimbo to stop. Uh, I believe it's Doctor Werewind, who is a time traveling robot from screwing up the timeline. Okay. What more do you want? What more do you want? It's it's about a samurai rabbit. Usagi Yojimbo is a samurai <laughs> rabbit, right? Have you ever read Usagi Yojimbo? No, no. I I know him, but I've never read him. It's great. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's a lot I read. It's written and by Stan Sakai, who is the creator of Usagi Yojimbo okay. and is a phenomenal writer and artist. Okay. For clarity's sake. Okay. Um, Superman Lost number two. I read Superman Lost number one. So don't spoil this one for me, just for my sake. But like, is it good? I will not. Is it a good issue? Yeah, it continues to be very interesting. We're kind okay. of getting a little bit of a peek as to what happened to him in that 20 years. Yeah. Um, he meets some real like shithead aliens, which is pretty funny. Okay. Um, and we're also getting like a little bit of a glimpse of how this experience has traumatized him in the present. Um, That's fair. This is a great book. I think it's really interesting. Do you like the first issue? Yeah, yeah. And we talked about it in a previous, you know, comic talk. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. So is it in the continuity or not in continuity? It's not in continuity, right? Or it is? I don't think so. I, well, it's one of those things where like, it could be. Okay, fine. Hyper time, baby. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, if they suddenly decide it is, it will be. Okay. Stoneheart number two. Tell me about it. Uh, cool. So Stoneheart um, is an interesting book. It's by Emma Kubert. Uh, she writes and draws it. Emma Kubert, you might know, is the granddaughter of Joe Kubert. She's on TikTok. Um, it's, yeah, yes. She's got a great TikTok. You get a lot of good like behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, it's just a really cool fantasy series. You kind of learn a little bit more about the protagonist and the strange magical powers that she has and that she can't really quite control. We get introduced to um, the co-lead of the series. Uh, but yeah, it's just a really cool book. If you're looking for like a good fantasy comic, this is definitely worth checking out and uh, and reading. All right. Uh, Silver Surfer, Ghost Light number three. Have you read any of this, Dimitri? I was, I was going to say, why do people like Silver Surfer? Silver Surfer is good as like a supporting character that pops in and out, but I have never been attached to Silver Surfer as a main character. You never even read like the Dan Slott, Mike Allred run? Which I was think I tried. Well, this book really isn't about Silver Surfer. Um, oh, so then I'll read for it. Some real, like, really ready for some real, like, deep cut nerd shit. So okay. the protagonist of this comic is a guy who died in, I want to say, Silver Surfer number five or six by Stanley and John Buscema. Okay. And the premise of the story is the guy was, like, a, a scientist. He was an African-American man who helped the Silver Surfer and was, like, killed by a mob while trying to help the Silver Surfer. So the Silver Surfer like leaves on his grave like an eternal flame made of cosmic energy that'll like burn until the earth like dies out in in memory of him. Um, and essentially the story is like, what happened to that guy? Like what happened to his family? Like who like was it that was like, you know, carried on after his death? And this guy essentially gets resurrected with cosmic powers. Um, and it's kind of the story of him becoming a superhero in his own right. Uh, it's really cool. I've really enjoyed it. It's a it's an interesting glimpse at like 
the idea of being a normal person in the Marvel universe and suddenly being thrust into the strange world of becoming a superhero. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a great book. I think it's okay. definitely worth checking out. All right. I will uh, perhaps. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. So maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I am interested. Uh, Silver Surfer is in the title because he's like, you know, the well-known character, but it's yeah. really about the story. Of the... Yes, yes. Okay. Last but not least, uh, Seasons Have Teeth, number one. Okay, this is a very cool book from Boom. Um, Boom is like having this very interesting sort of horror comics renaissance, I feel like. Like they're yeah. really kind of becoming like Vertigo in the 80s where they have a lot of fantasy horror books. Yeah. Um, and the premise of this book is it takes place in a world where seasons don't really exist anymore. The world just kind of exists in this sort of neutral climate state. Um, and the seasons are Aiju monsters that manifest as like representations of those seasons. Okay. So like this first issue get introduced to Spring, who's this big like skeletal creature covered in like moss that makes vines grow all around him. Um, uh, and the central character is this um, photographer who is essentially making it his goal to try to get the first photos ever taken of these creatures. Uh, it's very interesting. It's but very do, they, do they go back to sleep or do they kill people? What do they do? They essentially like travel around the world like natural disasters. Oh. So when, when spring comes, like the, the flora and the fauna just grow out of control and destroy things in their path. So people in the start of this issue are like evacuating a small town, like a hurricane's coming. But what's actually happening is that this grass kaiju is coming into town essentially. Yeah. I'm assuming summer is going to be lighting things on fire. Autumn is sure. drying things out. And winter will Probably, be freezing yeah. things like something like that. Yeah, we'll okay. see. Is it too simple, or is it? Um, does it yeah, actually? I mean, it's put a, a cool four issue mini. It's a four issue mini series. Okay. Um, it's definitely much more character driven. It's really about the central protagonist and his sort of journey that he's gone on. Like he's an older guy. Like this has been very much like him at the end of his life, trying to do one last meaningful thing with the yeah. artistic form that he's dedicated his life to okay um it very much feels like like a 90s vertigo book that that like neil gaiman would have put together or somebody like that okay and what company is it for uh it's boom studios oh this is boom okay all right you think it's worth picking up yeah i think if that's your vibe if you like that kind of like horror fantasy sort of story you want to just pick up four quick issues definitely worth checking out Okay. All right. Um, I mean, I think that's everything that we uh, we read this week. Thanks we pretty much. To, yeah. to touch on everything. Um, I uh, I love having you back, man. It's It's been a while. I love being back. You know? Um, I know. And hopefully, you know, you, you keep coming back and, you know, we get to talk more comics because, yeah, you know, there's a lot of great <laughs> comics out there. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, go to www.comicshoplocator.com. Uh, find a comic shop near you, your local comic shop, your LCS. Uh, it's an easy way to find it. Now, I can't vouch for all the comic shops near you. Not all comic shops are the same. Uh, in fact, they're all different. They're not chains. They're individually owned. So if the owner is a dick or an asshole, um, you might need to find a new comic shop near you, okay? So... <laughs> everybody keep that in mind we're you know 
we can we can give you our recommendations of the tried and true comic shops, but be careful out there. But that is a good start, comicshoplocator.com. Otherwise, how are you going to find the comic shop near you? You know? Um, thank you, Brian, so much for taking time out of your day and your evening. Uh, of course. Uh, to, to be here on the show. Where can people find you online? What do you got coming up? Anything you want to plug? Um, so you can find me uh, on TikTok primarily until the government shuts it down, uh, which said Captain Comic Rex, that's R-E-C-S, like recommendations. Um, right now I'm in the middle of the school year, so I haven't been making as many TikToks as I normally do, yeah. but I'm trying to get at least uh, maybe like two reviews of new books up every week. So definitely uh, check it out there. Uh, I got a little bit of an overview of free comic book day. So if you are someone who's a little new to the hobby and you want a great first experience in a comic shop uh finding out if your local comic book store participates in free comic book day and going on free comic book day i think is a great way to uh start getting into the hobby get a bunch of free comics there's yeah. no better way to do it in my when is it when's um, free, free comic book day uh may 6th okay it's the may first 6th. saturday in May. so uh go to comicshoplocator.com find a comic shop near you and they will most likely have free comic shop day from free comic book day um yeah. on may 6th okay great and they'll great. probably be doing a whole thing i know like yeah. every comic shop has like big sales and events and things like sometimes that, they bring so. out cosplayers and they take pictures with kids and that sort of thing um yeah yeah, yeah. okay all right um uh for anyone oh, out yeah uh for anyone out there if you're not following brian at captain comic rex uh you're missing out because if you're a comic book fan you should be oh, um Anyone watching this, you're watching it on twitch.tv slash the Keeg Show or youtube.com slash the Keeg Show. But our podcast is wherever you get your podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Now, if you want to keep track of us, what else uh, the Keeg is up to, uh, you can find the Keeg on social media at the Keeg Show on uh, TikTok and Instagram. Those are two big ones. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You know, that sort of thing. And if another social media thing pops up, we'll probably snatch that up as well. Um, but TikTok and Instagram are two biggest ones at the Keeg Show or slash the Keeg Show, pretty much wherever, which includes Patreon with patreon.com slash the Keeg Show. Uh, if you want to give back to the Keeg, uh, you can make donations that way. We'll subscription tier, find a tier that works for you. We'd greatly appreciate it. And it, uh, it definitely helps out. Um, other than that, this is Comic Talk. It's every Thursday uh, from 5 to about 6.20, 6.30 Pacific time. Uh, we also got the Mandalorian after show, or at least one more episode of it. Um, and that is right after every Mandalorian episode. Uh, we also got the Key Talks, which is every weekend. Um, and there are some other after shows that we'll be having, like for Secret Invasion, uh, for Ahsoka. So definitely stay tuned for that. Again, Instagram and TikTok at The King Show to stay tuned on what we got coming up. Other than that, that's pretty much the gist of things. Uh, we did a Dungeons & Dragons giveaway, and I will be releasing the winner in a little bit. I already told the winner, so they're working it out. Uh, but they got a lot of cool stuff. But stay tuned to The King for other giveaways. Uh, I'm going to start giving away some comics and stuff and doing some, some cool stuff there. So uh, other than that, uh, that's pretty much the gist of things. Thank you, Brian, so much for coming on. Um, thank you. Thank to, you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to anybody out there who's watching and or listening. Let us know you're out there. Like, comment, subscribe, do your thing. Let us know you're out there. Cause otherwise we don't know if you're out there. Brian never knows or lets us know when he's watching or listening to an episode. You got a comment, man. Brian, let me know that you're, you're watching. 
Otherwise, how am I supposed to know? I, well, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I don't want to be a bother. No, you're not a bother. I'd rather know that you're out there <laughs> so we don't talk shit on you, you know? Well, I also I also tend to catch it um, in podcast form for my commute. Do whatever day, it takes so. on the podcast thing. I don't I don't know how, like, you can write a review. <laughs> you can write a review. You can write a review. You can do that. All right. All right, cool. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody else out there. Uh, once again, I am your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been another episode of Comic Talk, this time for the uh, week of April 13th, 2023. Take care, everybody. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.